Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My view of women isn't someone who's meek. My view of a woman isn't someone who needs my help. My view of a woman isn't someone who can't make it without me. My view of, a, of the woman I married is a partner that I've decided to spend the rest of my life with at an equal partner. So at first, I didn't see me handing the reins off to her financially as this sort of big issue. You know what I mean? When, it, mm-hmm. when looking back and realizing how long and how draining it must have been, I do feel bad. And I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm making the changes and hopefully the level of successes that I'm starting to attain uh, can help repay that. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Shooters Gotta Shoot. I am your co-host, Erica Spera. And I'm Molly DeMillier. And we have a great guest for you this week. Uh, we just want to say thank you guys uh, so much for all your support for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you guys might have been a little bummed we took off from last week, but it just didn't didn't feel right at the time mm-hmm. uh, really to be putting out content that had absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in the world. So we appreciate you, your support, all your messages and everything. And uh, I guess we're back to our regu- regular scheduled programming. And uh, we hope you're just doing okay wherever you are in the world with all this happening. It's it's a very stressful time across the board with absolutely everything that's happening. And just hope that people are taking the time aw- away from screens, I think, is really important. And uh, just unplug from social media a little bit and listen to your girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just you know, take some time for yourself. It's, it's a really hard time. And, uh, just know that you're not alone. You yeah. Know, everyone's struggling right now and, and it's okay. Oh, definitely. And, um, and that's why our guest this week is a great topic that we've been planning since we started this podcast. Yeah. Cause Alexis has a, a great story and it is about a uh, struggle and losing your job. Yeah. Is essentially what it's about. And the stress it put on his relationship with his wife at the time. So I know a lot of you might be going through that right now. So this is, going to be a great episode for you alexis gives some great advice and uh is really just a joy of a person oh and, my god yeah i mean i loved i loved talking with him we could have talked with him for like three hours absolutely <laughs> also because he could talk yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this is also a great episode for if you're sick of hearing us talk uh <laughs> trust me we didn't say too much <laughs> um and if you enjoy the conversation because he is just so wonderful definitely check out his podcast which is uh on instagram you can find it at soccer cooligans it is a really really great show it's absolutely amazing especially if you're a soccer fan for um the mls especially but him and his co-host christian i've listened to quite a few episodes and they're they're awesome so yeah. definitely give it a listen they're both great dudes and uh they've been getting some great interviews to absolutely major players so yeah. truly if you're a fan uh check it out even if it's just for those interview episodes it's really really great and um it's on like tv as well so you could physically watch it mm-hmm. <laughs> which is you know what a lot of the mediums we're doing now yeah. um anyway so we have some new review winners we want to uh shout out to the pod uh so our first review winner is A. Freeberg, entitled New Fave Podcast. Love, love, love this podcast. Molly and Eric are so funny and relatable. It's a must listen. 
And our other review winner is Mark Gerber, which he says, great pod, raw, honest, hilarious, and smart. Quickly became one of my favorite podcasts. Whoop, whoop. So, I uh, can't disagree with either of I those know. reviews. These are great reviews. <laughs> yeah. So uh, obviously there's still the chance that these people don't claim their money. <laughs> yeah. So throw us a review if you haven't. It really helps us. And uh, you're throwing your hat in the ring to win 100 bucks because... I don't know. I mean, we're doing great that maybe when we hit 400, we'll give away another $100. I'm feeling crazy. I'm feeling good. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, also, if you guys can uh, share this to your Instagram, mm-hmm. tell a friend, uh, spread the word of the podcast, especially if you're enjoying it. Uh, and we have a Patreon if you want extra episodes. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash Shooters Gotta Shoot. Not only do you get extra episodes, you help your girls out a little bit with some cash, uh, which is always... Uh, appreciated for sure <laughs> especially right now and, uh, i have no work <laughs> <laughs> um and also keep sending us your dating stories and like shots you've taken we've really loved reading them and, and chatting with you guys and i really personally loved our uh fantasy that we put out a couple weeks ago so yeah i think we yeah i think we'd love to do another one so keep sending us your stories and we will chat about them on here yeah you can dm us uh your stories at shooters gotta shoot pod on instagram it's a little easier if you email us though which is yeah. shooters gotta shoot pod at gmail.com uh but either way love to hear from you any feedback you guys have uh just throw us a message we answer all our messages it might take a minute but we answer <laughs> <laughs> so all right well without further ado we're going to get into our great guest for this week let's do it you may have seen him on the soccer podcast the Cooligans, on fubo sports network or heard his voice on netflix's bojack horseman seen him on comedy central please welcome our guest alexis guerrero welcome to the pod yeah thanks for having me on <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. We've been meaning to get you on for a minute, and kind of fortunately, the pandemic allowed it to happen. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it a good thing the world's burning, huh? We, yeah. get, to, we get to do this. I know. It's, it's, it is weird of like so many people we've been going back and forth scheduling. It's like, when are you free? It's like, whenever. Yeah, yeah I mean, for, for the uh, for Cooligans, it's like, we have a, oh, you want to come do this TV show? And, and players are like, well, you got to talk to my agent or the PR person. And now I'm legitimately DMing players like, I know you're not doing nothing. Like, so <laughs> you're going to be on the show. I straight up, like Christian saw some of the DMs. He's like, you can't talk to people this way. I'm like, yes, I can. And they're coming on the show. I'm like, I'm tired of asking. <laughs> I mean, it's a hell of a hustler mentality yeah. of like, they weren't coming on the show before if we burn this bridge. Yeah. <laughs> it's cares? one of seven DMs. And the other six, we were very nice. I'm done being nice. Yeah. I know your ass is doing nothing at home. So get on the show. <laughs> right or especially like i guess if if uh, any sports players married with kids what a, what a great excuse to like i'm gonna go sit in the car for an hour yeah exactly <laughs> we'll give you a break <laughs> you don't know algebra you never cared you're a sports player get over here yeah exactly yeah. i love it i'm for it yeah uh but uh we really wanted to have you on because you have a really interesting backstory because we've talked about specifically finances within couples on this podcast a little bit but we're not married. Mm-hmm. We're two single gals. So it's all hypothetical on our end. <laughs> so, um, so just us knowing you personally, we have heard your story before of when you and your wife were first married and essentially how you were the primary breadwinner of your relationship. And then things shifted and changed. So for our listeners, would you mind kind of sharing your story of what happened of when you were first married with your wife and then yeah. your job? Um, I've been a stand-up comic for uh, a little over 10 years and I've been married two years longer than that. So I wasn't, you know, I, the joke is like my wife met a skinny dude in college, eventually <laughs> got engaged to a slightly chubbier dude. 
with dreams of getting into the corporate world and then married a corporate executive. And now, unfortunately, after that, she's married to a fat comedian. Like that's <laughs> the trajectory, you know? Um, and I, she's the, the first way we met. Well, the, the first time she ever was introduced to me, like knew who I was, was I had gone up in front of everyone in the class to give a speech about this, this piece of art that we had all created as part of college orientation. And I crushed, I crushed this room. I had <laughs> everyone laughing. The, the uh, people were laughing that don't laugh. Like, you know what I mean? Like people that were just like stoic. Yeah. I had them rolling and I was just riffing cause that's just my personality. You know what I mean? And she was like, Oh, like one of the things that we talked about was she was like, Oh, you know, you, you're very funny and blah, blah, blah. And that led to the relationship. And here we are uh, still together. So like, I've always when I was a kid I always wanted to be a comic I said one day I'm going to be a comedian my mother like there was a, a work party that my mother brought me to a Christmas party and somebody said this is a true story I was like eight or nine maybe maybe like 10 years old and because I had I knew English by then I didn't know English till I was like eight or nine um, and one of the guys had said hey what do you want to be when you grow up and I went to say the word comedian I said calm and my mother covered my mouth and said pewter science like she finished, <laughs> I swear on my life that happened. Like my mother has been embarrassed by me since that moment, you know? Um, so like, I've always wanted to be a comedian. I just, I wanted to get out of Newark more. I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. Like that was way more important for me. I wanted to do something. I want to be able to like support my family. I've been working. I used to work seven days a week through high school and, and through college. I've been working since I was 11 years old. Um, I lied on the document. It was like, give me your social. And I put the number seven and the lady's like, whatever, just get in the factory. Uh, this works. Uh, <laughs> and so like, I've always had a job and I knew I would have to like continue to work and I would never really be able to like just be a comedian. I got accepted to NYU for filmmaking and my mother was like, are you, you know, you're not going to be able to buy a home if you're a director. You want to continue to live in Newark. It's up to you. Like you could live here as long as you want, but mm. you're not going to make any money. Go to school for business. You love talking. You know what I mean? You'll be able to sell anything. And that's what I did. I ended up going into the sales world. Um, I got fired for my first job. Right, because I sucked and I got this other job <laughs> and I started to suck, but I kind of figured out a loophole. Right. And I started to just really attack this loophole and I started my sales were increasing. I was selling a ton of money. I was making a ton of money and it was amazing. And then I got I got promoted. And I'll never forget the guy, the guy who was ahead of me, um, who was like not he was like a regional vice president. He pulled me into a room just before we get to the meeting and he goes, hey just so you know, you're about to get promoted. And I was like, oh shit, that's amazing. He goes, before you do, you have to, you don't leave this room without making a decision. You're about to get paid. You're, what you're about to get paid puts you in the top 10% of earners in this country. He's like, wow. and you have to understand the amount of bullshit that's going to come with. He's like, you mm. decide right now if you want that. If not, you sit back down and I'll tell them you're not ready. He's like, but if you want it, I was like, oh, give me the money. I want the fucking money. And he was like, all right. And that guy, I mean, I don't know if he's still alive. That guy was a fucking angel. Like he couldn't have been more right. I did not feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I continue to work there and I continue to make a shit ton more money. And I'm married. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, I bought my wife a car just before uh, I got uh, laid off. Like everything. I was like, oh, I'm rolling in money. We were paying $750 for a parking spot in the city. We both had cars in the city. Like it was just nuts the money I was spending because I came from nothing. And I just didn't, mm -hmm. I really didn't understand the power of money at that point because it just felt like I was every year I was making so much more than before. So then boom, I get laid off. My wife had to pay the payments on that car. It was a gift. Yeah. Not much of a gift. <laughs> it's like, baby girl, can you cover this? We eventually had to get rid of all the cars. <laughs> and it was really her. Like I got like a kind of like a consulting gig right after that and the money came out of my severance because I was working in the same field and yeah. I had signed an NDA my wife was like alright you're getting paid to not work like don't work 
She's like, do something. And I sat on the couch for a week. I've never, since I was 11 years old, I'd never not worked or gone to school. Like, I didn't know what to do with myself. I had no identity. And my wife's like, go do what you've always wanted to do. She's like, you have a year and a half. I had a year and a half severance. She's like, you have a year and a half. Go figure it out. Go do what you've always wanted to do. She's like, you've always wanted to be a comedian. Why don't you go do it? She signed me up for, she signed me up for an improv class at UCB. Oh, really? And she was like, she looked up a list of open mics. And she was just like super supportive and like, from that moment on, I never looked back. She has many times, uh, usually when rents do. But uh, <laughs> I, I never looked back. And honestly, it was a rough stretch even until this TV show. Like the TV deal sort of relieved a lot of that financial pressure um, and, and overwhelming pressure on her. And, you know, absolute angel for being able to sort of withstand all of that. And, and in moments where it looked like it would impede on our relationship, we've been able to sort of work it out. And to this day, it's still something that is like we've gone through for the last decade together is sort of figuring out how to, you know, I guess mitigate the damages that can be caused by one person out earning as much money, all of the financial pressure on the other person who wasn't expecting that, uh, but certainly has stepped up to the plate. There's a lot involved, but yeah, I mean, it's been not easy to all of a sudden be like, all right, you got this right, baby girl. Like when she (laughs) necessarily didn't have to, I mean, the pressure of now you're on a tightrope with no net, like before, it's like jump off whenever you want. You'd be safe. Now that's like, right. that's not mm-hmm. an option. You also got our health care. You got everything. Like that was tough. But luckily, she sort of believed in the process for the most part. And now we're here <laughs> and things are a little bit smoother. <laughs> and there's like a lot more of a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm curious, how long were you guys together and married before you were laid off from your big corporate job? Do you know? Um, yeah, about a year and maybe eight months, a year and nine months. So not super long. Not wow. long. Because that's something for, essentially for it to work and her to back you and go through all that for essentially. A hundred percent. If she would have left me at years, that moment. It was, it's a long time to get anywhere in comedy. Yeah. You know? If yeah. she would have left me at that moment, I mean, it would have been, probably she would have been seen in the greatest light. But looking back, you'd be like, yeah, I could understand. The guy loses his job right. and <laughs> decides to go follow his fucking dream, which, you know <laughs> what I mean? As opposed to get back yeah. in the workforce and support all the shit that. You the life that you've built, I can completely understand. So yeah, no, it's tough after a year and nine months. We'd been together for a while too, because we've been together since the beginning of college. But um, mm-hmm. there's there's nothing that I could have like if it, if the tables were turned, you know, I can't imagine I would not have done that. I would not have left. But I I can't imagine people not getting in my ear saying like, "Yo, you sure you want to be with this girl?" You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know if? There were people making comments like that to her because I can yeah. just imagine. I mean, my family, her talk. family, everyone told her to leave me. Really, 100%. your own family mm-hmm. told her to leave you. One hundred percent. My family. Wow. The only person who had my back was my sister, and even she. My sister's like OG chick from Newark. Like, we'll cut somebody <laughs> if they scuff her shoes. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's, but she even said like, "Yo, that's my brother. I love him. Like, don't leave him." But if you do, I'm still your girl. Like, I'm still your friend. Like, <laughs> my sister even Like, if of, you do, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't want you but to. But don't do it. <laughs> That's not going to fuck up the oh, friendship shit. we had. But <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> like, I, even when we got married, 99% of the people that communicated with her was telling her to leave me, to not marry me. The wow. only person wow. who told me, hey, if you don't want to do this, I got your back, was my uncle. He put, he's the one with money. He lives in Miami. He put a flight voucher in my pocket. And he said, if you run, <laughs> go to the airport, just tell me where you go and I'll meet you. On your wedding day? This is on my wedding day. In my <laughs> in my wedding photo, in my oh, wedding shit. photo, my my tuxedo jacket has a flight voucher inside of it. 
In oh the, the moment I say I do, I have a flight voucher in my pocket for <laughs> if I didn't want to say I do. Uh, oh, my but God. But that's the only person, every, including him, by the way. But he's the only person that came to me and said, if you don't want to do this. Everyone else, including him, said to her, you don't have to marry him. We, we've met him before, you know. And, really? Yeah, and a lot of wow. it is like the jokes because I'm the one who sort of roasts everyone in the family. So I think everyone took it as that moment. But even my mother was like, look. He's your responsibility now. Like, <laughs> and she was dead on it. She was like, don't bring him back here. If you leave him alone, he's on his own. Don't bring his ass back here. Damn. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like essentially you starting comedy was really your wife. When you got laid off, her initial reaction was like, hey, you have some wiggle room here. Mm-hmm. Go after whatever it is that you want, which is. I feel like That's not amazing. what most people would say. No, yeah. it's admirable. I think most people would just panic. Yeah, it's admirable. It's gallant. It's amazing. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the women in my family. So we get a lot of credit on our show for like giving so much respect to women's soccer and and talking about women's rights issues and 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 feminist issues. And it's like I legitimately was raised by women. The only man in my life growing up was my grandfather who raised me like his son but he was for all intents and purpose kind of like a, a stoically absentee type dude like you came to him if you had a problem and he'd tell you like i don't know you know things will be okay like he wasn't he's not an emotional <laughs> dude and maybe i get some of that yeah. from him but the women in my family were the reason why i am i even sort of know how to walk and, and brush my teeth you know what i mean like they they sort of raised me so i was very conscious to make sure that like i wasn't forcing someone to be like attached to me or coddled you know what i mean to me like Mm -hmm. felt like they couldn't break away so like i would Mm -hmm. tell d like if this doesn't work for you gotta let me know and yo she was like up until the point where like it would just got to be like way too much because the pressure on her was just overwhelming we didn't really have to have a tough conversation and a lot of it maybe was you know me sort of being probably either selfish or just naive to uh some of the signs that like yo this might be getting to be too much maybe i should step up my efforts elsewhere. And like, I remember having a conversation with a dude I grew up with in Newark who I was like, yo man, I lost my job, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you coming back? And I'm like, nah, man, I'm, I'm gonna make it work in New York. He's like, if you're gonna live there, you better hustle. And I just remember like that conversation, like, yo, you better hustle. It's like, don't leave any stone unturned. And there were moments where I, you know, I lost a job or I lost a gig that I was making extra money on. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Or I would look at D and be like, yo, are you good with just this amount of money? And she'd be like, yeah, we'll figure it out. And you know, I'm sure she would turn around and be like, fuck, you know? I, I got to handle mm-hmm. even more on my own, but I tried my hardest. And looking back, there were moments where maybe I didn't try as hard as I should. But for the most part, I was always trying to sort of build something so that I wouldn't be leaving her in the lurch. And I, you know, there were moments where, you know, you're a comedian. You're also going to do a show about American soccer. Like, do you ever want to fucking make money? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what are you going to become a blacksmith after this? Like, what the fuck else could you do? Open a blockbuster? What are you going to fucking do? <laughs> like, and I, I could feel... But I, I, when, when we started the podcast, Cooligans, five years ago, it was like a side project. But I knew, I was like, this is going to be my career. I saw that there was nothing like us in that entire niche. And I'm like, if we just, if someone just puts a microphone in my fucking hand at a live event, I'll know, I know I can make money. And that's when everything changed. And I mm-hmm. legitimately stole a microphone. Like, I just walked up. <laughs> I pretended to know Susan Sarandon to get into the event. And once I got in the event, I saw a microphone. They gave it to Judah Freelander because he has uh, connections to the event. And I said to mm-hmm. Judah, I was like, you'll say this. And I gave him, like, two or three jokes. And eventually, he was like, why don't you just do this? And he handed me the microphone. And for the next hour and a half, all I did was riff. 
I made fun of everyone. I roasted everyone there, and I plugged Cooligans left and right. And that led to us becoming the main the main hosts for ICC, which was sponsoring that event, which are these huge events that happen across the country with massive soccer teams from all over the world playing preseason matches here. And it was it ended up being a shit ton of money. And you know, if it wasn't for the first three weeks of COVID, because of that, I lost like twenty five k because of those events Ooh, and that was the most we were going to make but this was like the year where it was all like all the work you did yeah. boom, boom, boom. so like i knew cooligans had a future if i could just get to live events if we could just show right. our worth on microphone as comedians like what you know if you put us on the spot we'll think of something it may not be a bit but we'll think of something that'll make the crowd laugh and i knew if we mm -hmm. got to that so like there were moments where she was like are you sure this soccer thing is going to work out and i could feel her being like because I don't think so, but she wouldn't say that because she's a good person. And I look at her and I go, I promise you, this is going to buy us a house one day. I promise you. <laughs> I mean, you've been obviously hugely successful with Cooligans. Have kind of the reactions from your family and friends changed over the last few years as they've kind of like seen your dream come to life? Or I think it's hard to explain people... to old Cuban people what a podcast is in general. <laughs> yeah, I think older people yeah, in general. Exactly. <laughs> so well, to or, explain. Or your wife's Italian, so it's old school Italians yeah. on one side, old school Cubans on the other side. Well, you know, like, <laughs> That's a tough like, battle. Pull it up on the television. Before we had a TV deal, I'm like, I can't. You know, it's, yeah. it's a podcast. What's that? It's like the radio. We'll put it on the radio. I'm like, give me your phone. Why you need my phone? I don't need your phone, but I can't pull it up on your radio from 1972. You know? Yeah. Uh, right. Explaining to old Cuban, like, my sister is works in fashion. She, she, well, up until recently, she managed, you know, a, a large fashion brand. She's a, she went to Fashion Institute of Technology, the whole nine. And my grandfather, before he passed away, he pulled me aside when she was going to college. She, she was like, why is she going to college for fabric? You just go to a store and buy it. And I'm like, that's not, I'm like, fashion. And he's like, what is it? And I'm like, what people are wearing. He's like, clothing. I'm like, no, like the styles. He's like, what styles? Pants, shirt, dress. What do you need? Why, why do they need her? Like he couldn't, he, he just, yeah. you know, he came from, he, he owned a, a cafe in Cuba or worked at a cafe in Cuba making desserts and he worked on a field. You know what I mean? Like to him, fashion made no sense. Like he didn't get it. So like costume designer, he would have understood. Right. But like, Fashion just <laughs> so like explaining that like when someone that my mom works with came to her and said, "Hey, your son pops up on my TV every time I turn it on because we have a uh, we're we're exclusive with Vizio smart TVs and Samsung smart TVs. Mm -hmm. So one of every eight times you turn it on, my face is going to pop up. Uh, once that happened, things started to change with the way my mother saw what I was doing. But up until then, like I'd go visit my nephew during the day, and he'd be like how come everyone says you don't have a job? And I'd be like, all right, well, thank you for snitching. You know, <laughs> like, at least I know what they're saying about me when I'm not around because it looks like, like my aunt would, I'd say like, yo, I got a spot tonight. My aunt would be like, you getting paid for this one? Because yeah. it would, it would confuse them as to why would I go do stand up if I wasn't getting paid? The fact that I love doing it confused them. It's like, who cares? Love to do something you get paid to do. You know, mm -hmm. a carpenter doesn't build something because they love it. It's because they're going to sell it. It's like, not exactly, but, I get your point. It's like hard to explain those things. The TV deal made made it seem like everything was kind of worth it. Kind right. of. Yeah. My mother still but won't I tell mean, people on my comics. But it's, you know, I don't know exactly how long you're doing stand-up till the TV deal with the podcast, but it is a long time to essentially, like, have anybody back you. Like, let alone your wife, but also, like, her family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's, I remember, I think you said to me once something of, like, yeah, my wife's family thinks I'm, like, pulling the wool over her eyes. 100%. Like, using her, being this lazy person that's just living off of her and not contributing. And I don't know if you felt like 
it was literally because you had such a high paying job and then it dropped so much or if it was like you had any job and then suddenly we're doing comedy i think the dramatic drop in the amount of money i was making and the fact that i didn't immediately go back or the fact that i didn't eventually go back i think have caused two different rifts in her family for her to me, they're, I'm relatively lighthearted. They can think what they want about me when I'm not in the room. But when I'm in the room, for the most part, it's very cordial. We all get along pretty well. I tend to tell a lot of jokes. Her father will specifically come to me if something happens to like wait for me to say something funny. Like They get mm-hmm. along really well with comedy. So the fact that I'm a comedian and the fact that I say funny shit, like they would love that. When I'm not in the room or when they would talk to her, like I could get the sense that she was sort of having to defend her relationship. And right. There was no reprieve for me, you know, because if I went to my mother, she'd be like, yeah, of course. I don't even know. We don't know why she's with you. You know what I mean? And like <laughs> yeah. jokes aside, like I legitimately had no one. Even my friends were like, well, dog, I mean, you went from buying her a car to you can't even buy her dinner. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Could you stop? You know, um, I didn't have anyone to really turn to except her, you know. And, you know, yeah. for the most part, she was sort of like unfazed by it, or at least that's how it came across to me. And then as things started to progress with the podcast, you know, and things started to look a bit less bleak financially, I was sort of let in a little more to how much of a struggle it was for her. But at the same time, like all I can do is look back and say like, all right, I'll do what I can to sort of help pay that back. And now that things are starting Mm -hmm. to become easier, certainly not by any stretch of the imagination. Am I rich or anything? I'm not streaming for fuck's sake. I'm not on NBC, but (laughs) you know, but um, at the very least, I know that as things continue to progress, I'm putting in a lot of money. Now I'm paying the rent on my own. Like I'm doing the best I can so that she can also, and, and, and I'm also trying to support her and following her dream because when I met, when I met her, you know, she'd also got gotten into NYU. She was a photographer. She's been a photographer since she was a teenager and she never really got to sort of follow what her dreams were. So I'm trying my hardest to be as supportive and sort of fall back and, and let, and not let her shine, but help her shine and, and find any way that I can to support that at the same time that I'm continuing to progress in the career that I'm in and finding ways to sort of add more financially so that she has less pressure on her. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 No. I mean, it's a positive thing- story. Now, if you would have asked me these questions two years ago, I would have been like, why, what did she say? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something that I, we feel like is a bit of an unfair um, pressure men have is like, if this was your wife, D, even if she was the primary breadwinner and things fell and she got laid off, or even if she just said, you know what, your job is good enough. We could live off your job for a while and I can go and pursue, you know, my photography dreams or whatever her dreams were. I, I feel like no one would really frown at that. No, I'd be right. an asshole because if I it's left the expectation. Because yeah. Because mm-hmm. the, the expectation in heterosexual relationships is, is the man has to be the provider. Right. So for you, you were one of the few stories I've heard where, you know, you were the main breadwinner. It flipped and your girl just hundred percent back to basically at no point doubted you at least to you yeah and still supported you pursuing your dreams but i mean i'm curious when it all went down did you feel like less of a man at first yeah but i think for me it was different i mean i mean somewhere in my brain probably but you know, there was a lot of stuff like in college because I was working so much like I had paid her car insurance when, you know, because she was driving to school. I didn't even have a car at the time, but I was making a lot of money. I was working seven days a week, a lot of money for that time. Um, yeah. I was working seven days a week and, 
you know, it just, it, to me, it didn't bother me to be like, you got, oh, you, you have a car problem. Here you go. Like take money. Like, like buying, we bought a condo when we first got married. Cause her father bought us a house and I said no to it. I was like, fuck out of here. Mm. And that's he, such an Italian <laughs> move. Oh my God. That's the most Italian He also thing bought ever. it six Was it blocks. like in their neighborhood? Yeah, six blocks away from his house. <laughs> and I was like, no. And, and my wife at the time, my fiance, she was like, are you out of your fucking mind? I'm like, give him the keys back. I'm not, you could live there. I'm not living there. I'm like, I'm not like, and at that point it was like a little bit of a cocky move too to be like, yo, dude, I've been working for myself since I was 11 years old. You think I can't buy a house? I can buy a house if I fucking want a mm-hmm. house and went out and bought a condo. It was a horrible deal. Um, and, <laughs> and it was, it but almost, point. Yeah. yeah, it almost sank well, me financially, but I got my balls, you know, because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, well, but that's another thing that's like, uh, you know, part of toxic masculinity is yeah. the pressure you felt to be like, I'm not going to let another man buy me something that big. It, it was more than that. And I'm not going to take away your right to say that. And yeah, if a psychologist looked at it or a psychiatrist, they'd say it was a toxic, toxic masculinity. A lot of it was, I grew up without a father. I'm not taking that. Mm-hmm. Like if I've, I've busted my ass since I was 11 to be, you know, someone of my own. And at that mm-hmm. moment I didn't have the sort of wherewithal to be like, I'm accepting a gift from someone to me. I was now beholden to this man. Right. Like mm-hmm. you owed yeah. them something. And it was never going to Which... be my house. I would be like, is it okay if I put a painting over here? And is it okay if I put the couch up against that wall? I did yeah. never wanted to put myself in that position because I wouldn't let my own family member do that to me. I'm not going to let someone else do that to me. So a lot of it was bravado mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> for me, bravado has saved me from a lot of shit too. So I'm never going to, I'm never going to scoff at it. But I was like, I'll get a secondo. And my wife and I both had to like put our money down, but a lot of it came from me. And I, I was, I was the one who was financially ready at that time because I'd been working to sort of be able to support that. Cause she had just finished nursing school. So I was like, she, mm. she got two college degrees and then went back to nursing. So like she had oh, extra wow. school on top of that. So like, I was like, I was helping, like I was buying dinner when she was in nursing school. So I'm not saying that what she did for the last 10 years is even by any stretch of the imagination but at that moment i was like yo now you got us and she's like yeah so it mm-hmm. kind of felt like i was letting i was i was giving her the ball to run with for a little bit no idea it was going to take 10 fucking years i also thought <laughs> i'll do two open mics and then i'll start making what a thousand dollars a spot at the cellar you know yeah <laughs> that's every comedian which is not is even like, close to what they get paid. yeah <laughs> no, not at all but like in my not head not it's close like, not right. even close on a weekend yeah i was like oh so what what do i do like three or four spots just to get my feet wet and then i walk into a comedy club and i'm a superstar like I, yeah. we were i was an idiot and i sold her on that deal thinking i knew what the fuck was up i did, did no research but i just started and little by little you know you started you start to acquire spots and stuff so it kind of always felt like the ball was rolling but then you look back and you're like god damn it yo it's been six years and you still not even you're below the poverty level you know yeah as an individual (laughs) but i think i mean it sounds like you were kind of easy you were easy to switch into the opposite role what you originally were because when you were quote the primary breadwinner and i guess like treating d to dinner or a car or a car paint whatever it was it feels like when you did that, there was no part of you being like, okay, and you owe me this in return. No, not at all. Because so, I feel like since you had no, no, like, you owe me, then when the roles flipped, you weren't as, I guess, like, hesitant to flip the role. Well, I was going to say, too, and listening you talk about all of the strong female role models in your life growing up, like, it sounds like you're just very comfortable with strong women when uh, a lot of men <laughs> are not yeah. when a woman steps up to kind of like a taking the lead role yeah i think it's also why like when the first like when all the catcalling shit happened i got in trouble a little bit because 
first thing I thought of was my sister. I've seen, I've been with my sister when she gets catcalled and she'd be the first to be like, fuck you, you small dick motherfucker. Like, <laughs> like, I, so like to me, the catcalling wasn't an issue. It's like, if you catcall her, it's going to be an issue for you, you know? <laughs> and, and D is the same way. D doesn't take shit. So like when someone was like, yo, catcall, someone, someone said to me, I deserve privacy when I'm in public. And again, I'm from like the hood. I'm like, yo, when you go outside, it's a war zone. You know, you deserve <laughs> privacy. Like in my head, I'm like, yo, you don't tuck your chain. You put your phone in your in a different pocket so you don't get an outline of your phone in your pocket. You don't. You carry your cash in your front pocket. You carry your cards in your back pocket so that if you get if you get pickpocketed, it's just if someone goes to mug you, you just throw the cash out. Like I have all these rules in my head that I live by when I'm outside. The idea of someone respecting my space, I just don't think exists. And because I <laughs> I grew up with women yeah. who would I grew up with women who would beat the fuck out of you for saying they look nice unless it, they felt it was like complimentary and then my sister even said like if someone doesn't cat call me then my outfit ain't popping like it's you know what I mean like, <laughs> like these are the women I grew up around so when someone said I deserve privacy when I'm in public I was like what the fuck is wrong with you not in this city <laughs> this ain't Omaha you know and I, people got mad at me because they thought I was like defending cat calls I'm like no it's horrific you shouldn't bother women when they're in the street but I grew up with women who would almost revel in that moment you know what I mean mm -hmm. so like I grew up with very strong women so like my opinion like my mother got arrested at, as a teenager and sent to a hard labor camp for two years at gunpoint every day threat of being beaten raped the whole nine because she wanted to leave cuba so like my view of women isn't someone who's meek my view of a woman isn't someone who needs my help my view of a woman isn't someone who can't make it without me my view of a, of the woman i married is a partner that i've decided to spend the rest of my life with at an equal partner so at first i didn't see me handing the reins off to her financially as this sort of big issue. You know what I mean? When it, mm -hmm. when looking back and realizing how long and how draining it must've been, I do feel bad. And I'm, I'm hopefully I'm making the changes and hopefully the level of successes that I'm starting to attain uh, can help repay that. You know what I mean? But at the beginning mm -hmm. I was like, nah, I mean, you got this for a little bit, right? I'm going to go do the stand up thing and then I'm going to be a fucking megastar. We'll be on red carpets in like a year <laughs> or two. You know, at first I didn't right, hold yeah. any ill will. And then, you know, like anything else in comedy, you just work so hard to just keep it going. You know, like, oh, for it's sure. like, what, what can I do today? That's just going to not get me to stop doing stand up. Like that's how your main, your mind thinks you're, you're almost like a hunter. You know what I mean? Like I need to mm -hmm. eat today. Like I just got to go out and eat. It's like, Again, I, I just hustled my ass off, you know? I worked in production. I worked for other shit. Like, I did what I did pizza tours, food tours. You know, Erica said been yeah. on a pizza tour. I did whatever the fuck I could to make enough money so that I just wasn't leaving her completely in the lurch. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's also like, I guess to put it in sports terms, as we often do on the <laughs> podcast, it's almost like you were in the game and then you just, you needed to sup. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I'm going to tag you in and let you take over for a minute. Erica, huge <laughs> no, shot I'm that kidding. you're doing a sports reference right now, Erica. You may <laughs> well, not I mean, see that she's wearing a just... Yankee V-neck. This is well, what right out of said. Staten Island catalog.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you just said, that's how my brain heard it. It's like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes we all need someone else to just take the load. Yeah, I handed her yeah. the baton, if you will. But I always... Yeah, exactly. I didn't... I'm trying to think about the sports. I didn't think... I didn't think she would only she'd be the only one running the race for ten years. I thought this is just for a little bit, and then I'll step right in. And then that didn't work out. But I mean, luckily, like I said, you know, this conversation is very different because you're asking me now. You know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's also something of like if she really felt too stressed or needed you to step up more. It's also like if she never vocalized that, 
how else would you know? Right. Like, I'm kind of almost curious, like, if she at three years was like, you know what? I can't fully be the supporter. You need to get like a nine to five. Would you have felt any animosity from that? Or, or would you just be like, all right, babe, I got you and apply to, I guess, quote, more regular jobs than like, say, doing pizza tours or production or whatever? I mean, there were there were moments where like it was like, yo, you really haven't like produced a lot in the last few months. Or there were moments where like in any comedy career, I hate to say it's like a depression because I certainly didn't feel that way. But like when you look back, you're just like, man, I really wasn't doing much those two or three months. I was really down on my career and wondering what I'm going to yeah. do next. And, you know, then I'd look at my resume and I'm like, could I even go back into that corporate world? I'd be starting from scratch. My resume is obsolete at this point. Um, right. You know, it's been four or five years that I've been doing this. You know, how am I going to excuse this time away? You know, like in the mm. corporate world, the reason why somebody said once, oh, it's like modern day slavery. And of course, that's a horrific thing to compare it to but i do completely understand the feeling of being trapped in that world because when you get promoted you know like that that scene in like the gordon gecko movie wall street like where someone's like okay your suit's now not good enough you got to go get better suits you can't drive mm -hmm. that car go get a real car you can't wear that watch go get a real watch you can't not be a member of that country club you can't not be the guy who drinks this whiskey mm -hmm. you have yeah. to now match everyone else so all of a sudden you're making a lot more money but the percentages of what you spend on stuff in continues so you're still not mm -hmm. really keep it's not like you can just live like you lived in Newark and keep this at the time i was making three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year you can't take that money and just and be like, all right, I was living like I was making 50K and I'll keep the other 300. Nah, like yeah, you can't do right. that. You now have to live the life that matches who you are because you're in sales and the your presentation. So like, mm -hmm. I never, I, I looked down and I'm like, how the fuck am I gonna be, be able to get back there? Like I'd be starting from scratch. So like I made the conscious decision to be like, I think I could just work harder at this and find other ways to sort of mm -hmm. piecemeal it together. And, and there were moments where I did and there were moments where I didn't, you know, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there were moments where it really, like, I did a three, I did a three month tour. Uh, sorry, not three months, like three and a half weeks. I did a three and a half week tour, and when I got back, she looked like a deer in headlights, and I really didn't make that much money on that tour. But it was like a great mm -hmm. opportunity, and mm -hmm. she, I could see that it was like all too much for her. And I was like, all right, let's sit down and talk about it. And we talked about it, and it was right after the ABC showcase. And we sat down, we talked about it. And she's like, yo, like I wasn't going to say anything because you were doing the showcase, but like, here's where we're at. And we can't, here's what we can't keep going with. You know, like we mm -hmm. had to leave the apartment on the Upper West Side because we didn't have enough money, but I did find a great deal. And it's a neighborhood that she loves now. But at first it was like, we had to leave the apartment because you're not making enough money. She would never say that, but like, I can feel that implication. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, credit to her. Or it said we, but you're like, do you mean my hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, when you say we, I think you mean just me. Yeah, yeah. Your pay has stayed the same. Right. <laughs> because you make it a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, things like I would always like put a little bit of money aside. So like I would never miss like an anniversary or a birthday or a Christmas. Mm -hmm. And like I could still like give her something to make her feel, you know, yada, yada. But then I was also at times like, I can't give you my half of the rent because I don't have it, you know, or I can't mm -hmm. put money towards this because I don't have it, but I'll have more next month because these gigs are coming up or this is happening or simple things like the first time I ever got asked to go on the road, it was at a loss, but I'm like, I gotta do it. Like I gotta, if I'm ever yeah. going to work mm -hmm. with this person again, 
I need to show them, you know, that I can do this. And luckily more gigs came from it, but it's hard to explain to someone, I'm going to take two flights and, and, you know, rent a car to get to this gig. And that's going to be $300 more than what I'm getting paid. And I'm also going to have to feed myself and hang out with this person. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, there were moments where you could see it weighed on her, but I will give her credit. She, it never, it never got to the point where she was like, I'm going to go stay with my mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank God. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's a very yeah, I mean, it's a lot strong of pressure for person. anybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With the onset of like the pandemic and you guys haven't been on stages for like what, three months now, does it feel like deja vu in, you know, smaller scale? I don't think you were making as much as before, but you know, being out of work in, in another way now. I mean, to be honest, the comedy money was always like, I tried my hardest to go on the road, but also I can't just be on the road every weekend. I have too many mm -hmm. things going on here. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the soccer events have dried up. So like I'm making a lot less money. Like I've mm -hmm. always, when I started a soccer podcast, even other soccer podcasts that were wildly popular and famous would say to me, like, you're going to do a soccer podcast. Like, you know, there's no money in this. And I'm like, there's no money for you. Cause you're a podcaster. I'm a comedian. I make my money on the back end. <laughs> I go on stage. This is going to bring me to cities. And now <laughs> bluff called homie. Like <laughs> ain't none of that. <laughs> ain't no back end. There's no back end whatsoever. You know what I mean? <laughs> but luckily I'm at, I mean, by the stroke of, if this, if the pandemic would happened a year ago there might not be a cooligans right now i might have looked at christian and be like yo this is over mm -hmm. like you know what i mean we can't right. keep doing this because like what we were making like we didn't really focus on a patreon or anything when we started we just started mm -hmm. on trying to build the biggest fan base we can within that world so that we could tour so great call on our end to some degree horrible considering now there's a pandemic and there is no touring you know what i mean so if mm -hmm. we would have yeah. had a robust patreon Maybe we'd be fine. Like these guys that are making 27, 30, 40 K a month, they're fine. We're nowhere near that. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. luckily we have the TV deal. So it's kind of mitigated a lot of those damages. But just as, uh, as a comedian, like I have never gone this long without being on stage. Even at the beginning of my career, I was at least going to open mics every day. Yeah. <laughs> I, Same here. I, this is nuts. This is, I, I used to joke, like, I wonder what regular people do at night. And now I know. I almost know too much. Like, I'm good. It's not much. I get it. It really yeah. isn't much. Yeah. My God. I mean. He's drinking yeah, and Netflix. Like for, yeah. Or especially for, like, single people. It's like, you know, it's even if you were someone that you were like, I love being single because I can hook up with whoever I want, do whatever I want, date whoever yeah. I want. Not now. Night. Now it's like, no. I gotta be honest. <laughs> now it's like, I'm surprised, roommate. I'm surprised you two haven't started hooking up. How are y'all doing? It? <laughs> <laughs> like, even if D and I were in an argument and she walked by, I'd still try to like have sex with her. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd still flirt with her. Like, I can't imagine what it's like to go three months without the touch of another human being it just well, here's the it's thing. rough pre-pandemic i've had streaks like that what are you nuts <laughs> it's like, i mean i have herpes over here so it's already a challenge yeah. if anything i'm like the pandemic might be in my favor that's like oh but you don't have covid right it's like no no covid <laughs> no covid over here COVID cannot say the same. <laughs> yeah. i have a disease that won't kill you yeah. how's that yeah. that's good that's fine right <laughs> it brings you in the cool group yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been shooting shots and people are like, no, yeah. that's reckless. Get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> You're disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> sick, sick. Yeah. Uh, shouts to you for that post women. you put up about, like, uh, you know, being like a strong uh, a woman. Like, the strength is you see beautiful. Shouts to you for that. That was beautiful if I didn't oh. tell you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is true. I mean, it's just crazy. 
it's just a time right now that's like who is out there body shaming to anybody yeah, yeah. it's like we're all just trying to get through this mentally <laughs> right Let's like some of us mentally is working out more and losing weight and getting more in shape and then other people it's the opposite yeah, if you walk <laughs> out of there with abs or you walk out of there with love handles no one should be talking shit no one should care <laughs> yeah, we walked out of it we're good yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. 100,000 people died who gives a fuck if my pants are tight can we move on yeah, yeah. I know um I mean, also with the pandemic, there's going to be a lot of people that are out of work. And I think a lot of people are going to go through essentially what you went through years ago was like either they were the primary breadwinner or just they just lost their job. So now you're in a partnership where one of you has a job and one of you doesn't. So after you went through that, what kind of advice would you give to people of like how could they support their partner? Maybe like what's something you could say, do I don't know, what kind of advice would you give to any couple kind of just going through that situation? I think the the toughest part about what happened with D and I is that we were relatively young when it happened and, and new in a relationship. And maybe it felt uncomfortable at the time. And maybe I should have taken the reins on it, but I was just so sort of lost. I, you know, I think both sides have to understand the other side. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. It's very difficult when your identity is attached to your job to lose that job. And Maybe it's an industry because, you know, when I lost my job, it was the other economic downturn as well. So I almost I couldn't even really like right away jump back into it if I wanted to. I was lucky to find the consulting gig I did. And then that money got taken away from me anyway. So like yeah. understand that especially the person you, you might be with may not be so sophisticated psychologically. Like I didn't know to look and be like, yo, I'm lost or I don't have an identity. I would just be like, what do I do? Like, you know, I'm an idiot from Newark who thought I had all the answers. You know what I mean? So like understand the shoes that your partner is in and be honest and come up with a plan. Like if my wife would have sat down and said, like, yo, this is the amount of time I might have resented her at first to be like, well, you putting a fucking ultimatum on this. But like like some, like her mother, like three years in was like, how long are you going to let him do this? You know, and she didn't know mm. I could hear the phone. And my mom and he, she was <laughs> and she was like, or how long? What if he told me I wasn't allowed to be a photographer? Because she was still doing photography on the side. What if she yeah. he told me I wasn't allowed to do that? How would you feel as my mom if someone told me I couldn't do shit? So she was ride or die from the get. But those are conversations her and I should have had. And maybe we should have been more mature. Maybe I should have been more mature. So if you're about to go through this, if you're listening to this and either you've lost a job or your partner's lost a job and now the roles have switched or maybe there's just more pressure and more responsibility being put on you, sit the other person down and let them know that you're there to support them and you're there to ride for them. Uh, but also be like, yo, but we need to talk so that this doesn't fuck us up because I would, I, you know, a lot of people in the past have been like, if you guys break up, we don't believe in love anymore. And like, those things are like really sort of cute and, and they're genuine. And that means that people can watch us and look at us and tell that we're genuinely in love with each other and, and very happy with each other. But it also, it also adds this extra weight of this relationship and it's like sort of keeping this relationship alive. And I don't know that I'd be very comfortable looking back and be like, I would end up feeling super selfish if my decision to be a comedian broke us up. You know what I mean? If mm -hmm. now she were to turn around and be like, you need to drop the TV show and go back to a corporate market, I'd be like, yeah, 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 do you mind? You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> crazy. Like, we're, we're in the building. We're not at the penthouse yet, but we're in the building. And look how long it took us to get right. in the building. And luckily, that's mm -hmm. never been the case. But, um, if, if that is going, if that is happening with you, make sure that you do whatever you can so that if things do fall apart, which happens, that just happens naturally, whether there's a loss of job or not, but financial reasons are the number one reasons why people break up or, or at least, you know, problems start. So like sit the person down and say, what is the plan? How are we going to achieve paying our bills? What can we 
get rid of. Like we had two cars in the city. We didn't need two cars in the city. Uh, we didn't need any right. cars, turns out, for a long time. So uh, <laughs> oh, thanks, baby girl, um, for taking the train. But, uh, you know, what, what could you get rid of? Do you have two cars? Do you have all these extra payments? Do you need Prime and Netflix? You know what I mean? Like sit down mm -hmm. and literally go through it. And, and one of the things I did when I first bought the condo when she was really mad that I said no to the house was I, I made a spreadsheet. And I said, here's our expenditures and here's, here's how much a, cost, a house costs and here's how much I make. I can afford it all. Even if you didn't have a job, I could afford it all. Because she had, mm. you know, who knew she was going to get hired? Who knew she was going to graduate? Uh, nursing school, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of pressure put on in nursing school. Your grade can't fall below a certain number or else you're expelled, like you're out. So there was a lot of pressure. And I sat yeah. her down. I said, I could do this on my own. Like, we should have done that at that moment. And we didn't. So, like, mm -hmm. do that. Sit down. Be really honest. I had a lot of debt, too. I left the job making a shit ton of money. I walked out of there with $87,000 in debt. Like I wasn't making oh, wow. any money. Thank God my severance package was huge and for a long time, but I literally paid off my college loans with my severance package. I paid off everything. So like, I kind of was still making a lot of money, but so maybe we didn't have to have that conversation right away. But um, when that dried up and I was making money elsewhere, I, I went back to like being a kid who works after school, you know? And we didn't really yeah. sit down and say, here's our finances, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, also the fact that you were married to someone who was also willing to essentially like live below their means. Or, or have a downgrade, I guess, in uh, luxury. Yeah. No vacation. There's a lot of people, like, like once years. they hit a certain level, they're like, no, this is the level I'm at, and I'm not going back. And it partly is like pride, or, or maybe they feel embarrassed to like people they know. Well, lifestyle change in general is just really hard. You yeah. get accustomed to a certain type of lifestyle. It goes and both ways, by the way. Stuff. Like, I don't know if it's like, I, maybe, it's, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't, I don't know how to classify it, but there's a little bit of survivor's guilt that came attached to making a lot of money. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I look like a, oh, yo, you the fucking man. Some of my friends are like, yo, Lex got this job. I knew he'd be making money. But to some degree, like, not being the kid that lives in Newark not being able to support and be there for my friends and you know my friends want to go hang out i'm like i got this other thing i got to do yo we'll come with you and i'm like yo it's gonna be mad expensive like you know what i mean don't put yourself out just to mm. hang out me like mm, that both yeah. ways i've i've dealt with i've gone and came back the one thing that i say that i will say sort of made me feel really comfortable with the decision that we made um is the fact that i knew i was making a shit ton of money and i wasn't happy and I always say, I said this to a friend of mine who ended up becoming a trader, making a lot of money. And I was, and he was like, yo, I'm starting to make a lot of money. Like, what should I invest in? And I was like, just don't think about that just yet. If you're going to invest, invest in property because it's just never going to go anywhere. But I go, um, mm -hmm. you know, every kid that grows up in the hood sees a lot of water coming into their basement and there's a huge hole with water coming through it that says money. And we all think as soon as you plug that hole, everything's going to be good. The moment you plug that hole, you realize there's a million tiny holes around it that say other things that water's still coming in your basement. So in other words, you're not fulfilled. You're not happy. And like money doesn't solve all the issues. Society wants you to think that I, I got to that point. Mm -hmm. I was like this, I'm not happy. I feel like an asshole. So mm -hmm. luckily that happened. So like, I kind of felt comfortable with making less money and I kind of felt comfortable with the journey I was on. I just should have had a more open conversation with D about what this might actually look like down the road. Like what's the best case scenario? Here's the worst case scenario. What What's our plan in case this happens? And also it just would have mm -hmm. been so much easier for her to deal with her family and my family and really everyone, you know? Yeah. If I'm buying mm -hmm. a sandwich, the deli guy's like, this is, you're with this guy? You know, like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, it's hard of, uh, I almost feel like, is it harder with closer families? Because it's almost like they're so involved in your business. That even like once you started having success, it's like I don't know if D literally looked at her parents being like, Yeah, well he's about to make twenty grand in two months. Like yeah. fuck off. Like kinda of like almost like, why don't you finally like back off? <laughs> yeah, no this, you know, whatever it is. There's one she has one family member. 
and he is by far the most illegal family member she has. <laughs> uh, and he, like I do a joke about like her family member kind of like maybe being in the mob or whatever. And like that's this dude. But like he he has dealt with um, celebrities in the past. So like he understands people in the arts and he's the only one. First of all, I'm the only member of the family he talks to and he's the only one who has my back. And even through yeah. this, he'd be like, they don't fucking get it. You're going to fucking make money. You're going to be a star kid. He's like, they don't get it. He's like, they, they're workers. Yeah. He's like, they go to work. He's like, me and you, we live off the land. And I'm like, all right, we're not exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> well, he just gets that it's a hustle. And when you win, you win big. Yeah. He understood. Is usually it. the thing. And he would, like basically her family's gonna put their foot in their mouth. Essentially, if like you suddenly have a Netflix special and are you know the next Chris Rock or something, mm -hmm. like yeah. suddenly they're gonna be like, yeah, I know that he dates my niece. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I know him. Yeah, we're tight. And it's we like knew it you the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we, you talk shit about me for years. Right. Man. Oh, I believed in him from the beginning, and I'm like, what was that last yeah. part? You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like honestly, like thank God for this dude be someone in the room to defend me a little bit, and even. In moments where she maybe has like looked at it and been like, what the fuck is going on? She has someone she can call that'll be like, yeah. I don't like, and she trusts, you know, she trusts him so much. I mean, who wouldn't, right? But she trusts him, <laughs> unless you want money. She trusts him so much <laughs> because she's, he's like an uncle figure. You know what I mean? So he's always yeah. been in our lives and always been in her life. And uh, she has someone that she could call and be like, this is getting to be a lot. And be like, just stay with it. The kids got it. Like, I've seen them. I can have them talk to people. And I'm like, no, please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, he's one of those dudes yeah. who's like, when I started, he's like, what do you want to do with this? You want to be a comic? You want to be on Tonight Show? And I'd be like, I think I want to do Letterman. He's like, all right, I'll make a couple calls. I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I, I'll earn it. I will earn it. And he's like, all right, you need me. You know where I am. I'm like, yeah, but then you own me. He's like, who says I don't own you now? You know, like, he's just, he's a fun dude. He's a great, he's a great hang. <laughs> I felt I've I've had support from a lot of my family members and I've been surprised about it, especially when it's like they're doctors. Yeah. Like <laughs> they followed a path, they pursued something or, or there are just workers. Like, you know, my family owned a bakery that, you know, they weren't, you know, making crazy money for years, but it was like the whole family worked in the bakery and worked their ass off and like supported each other no matter what. But it's kind of amazing to me when I get support from people that essentially make a lot of money and like have a nice house, like have all these things that I feel like maybe they look at me sometimes like, really you're gonna keep doing this comedy thing like you're never gonna have a house like not right. even a big one just a house is how they feel <laughs> but there's but it's amazing when they say things to me like i think part of it is i'm single and i don't have kids so they're kind of like you just gotta make enough money to feed one mouth <laughs> like this is the time for you to go after those dreams right mm -hmm. right and pursue that life but i feel like people in general that always are like that's your dream go do it then or you know go do it when you're young it's partly because either they went after their dream and made it and they're so happy or they just do what they love like i've mm -hmm. had old teachers be like yeah you know how many people told me I'm, you're not gonna make that much money as a teacher why you want to be a teacher and they're like because that's what i want to do yeah mm -hmm. like that's it and i feel like it's either they went after their dream and they achieved it and they're so happy or they never went after their dream and they regret it i because they're like once i had this mortgage once i had a kid once i had they were like i'm trapped in this amount of money i make and if i left now i'm letting down all these people it changes everything yeah like yeah. so they're basically like i'm in a spot i can't just go and pursue whatever it is i want it to do essentially till i retire i also yeah. whereas they look at me and they're like you have no you essentially have no responsibilities other than your own rent and your own food like mm -hmm. go do what you yeah, want if anything you know? now's the time right yeah, exactly. but like I also they say, like I wanted to look at myself in the mirror, you know. Also, like 
I oh, yeah. when I was in sales, I was in uh, it was an office supply sales. I was like the corporate manager for Staples. So like Staples is a store, but they also had corporate contracts, and that's what I would negotiate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I negotiated huge ones: Louis Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy, LVMH. I negotiated that Richemont, which owns like Van Cleef and Arpels and 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 massive brands on on Fifth Ave. I negotiated mm-hmm. that like huge brands. I would get flown out around the country to negotiate those contracts, and I was the guy who came in. It was like all right, we're going to get the deal we want because Alexis is here. So like I was like in this world, I was valued. I was given a lot of plaudits. I was giving a lot of money. I was I was given everything that you would expect would encourage and make someone feel fulfilled. And I would and I would go home and feel wildly embarrassed that that was my job. And do you guys remember an artist named Travi McCoy? Yeah. So oh, yeah. He's the yeah. lead singer slash rapper of Gym Class Heroes. Not a group mm-hmm. I listened to a lot. I went to a Roots concert and I lied my way into VIP. Right. Just, <laughs> I went up to the guy and I was like, yo, I got to get upstairs. And the guy's like, sorry, man, it's VIP. I'm like, no, my boss is up there. I work for Viacom. He's with my clients. He says, if I'm already late, he says, if I don't get up there, I'm fired. And the dude looked at me. I'm like, come on, man. He was like a, a Latino dude. He's like, all right, get up there. Boom. Me and, my, <laughs> me and my wife get up there. We're hanging out. And next thing I know, Questlove is sitting next to me eating wings. And I was like, yo, oh Quest. <laughs> Great work. I'm, I'm treating him like I've met him before. Same thing I did with Susan Sarandon, by the way. I tapped her. <laughs> I legitimately tapped her on the elbow and go, what's up, Suze? How you been? I called her Suze. You know? <laughs> she could have slapped me. She acted like she must have thought this guy got to know me, right? Um, so I said, yo, Quest, great work up there tonight. And he was like, yo, thanks, man. He's like, yo, you want some wings? I'm eating wings with Quest Love. I'm freaking oh out. God. He goes, yo, after party, you coming? I'm like, absolutely. Yo, remind me. Where is it again? He's like, yo, Angels and Kings. I was like, bet it's a bar that's now a 7-Eleven in the in the East Village. Boom, we go over there. Place is rocking. It was a tiny bar, but it was jammed. We're all yeah. hanging out. I walk outside because it's hot as shit, and Tra- Trav McCoy standing there, and a bunch of fans are talking to him. He looks at me. I go, Yo, Trav, great work tonight. <laughs> Here's my secret. <laughs> go nicknames with people. Uh, and he goes, Yo, thanks, man. And I was like, All right, man. I'm gonna head out. And he goes, Yo, what's your name? And I was like, what the fuck do you care? You know, I was like, you're Travis. Dude, everyone's here for you. What the fuck do you care what my name is? It's a 100% true story. And he's like, nah, I care. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, my name's Alexis. He's like, all right, where are you from? I was like, I'm from Newark. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit, Brick City. I was like, yeah, yeah. So we talked for a second. He's like, what do you do? You in the arts? And I was like, nah. And he goes, what do you do? And I'm like, ah, I'm in sales. He's like, no, of what? And I had to say office supplies and i just remember (laughs) the gut-wrenching feeling of like this isn't who you're meant to be this isn't who Mm -hmm. you are so and i realized at that moment that i sold my soul for that money so from that moment on i negotiate like i started my exit plan when i negotiated my last contract i negotiated an 18-month severance package with no benefits and i remember the guy being like what the fuck are you doing like we've never given away a severance package this long. I did it for eighty five percent of my salary with bonus, right? So like I had them average out my bonus, and and the guy was like, "Yeah, but your benefits." And I'm like, "I'll figure it out." And to them, yeah. it was like the craziest thing. You're gonna walk away with no benefits. We'll give you however long you want, as long as we don't have to pay the benefits, because it's like taxably horrible for major corporations, right? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. They gave me the 18 month severance package. So I knew I had this like parachute. So like I had always planned to leave and I didn't want to be the guy that sold office supplies. I just didn't. I knew I sold my mm-hmm. soul for the money because I needed to get out of Newark. Well, I'm out. Now what do I want to do? So for me, it was yeah. a little mm-hmm. different. I think that's so interesting of like taking the 
minute to like look in the mirror and this is such an important time for everybody whether like you have your job or not the world is fundamentally changing on every level so it's it's such an yeah it's such an important time to do that like think about what you want to do like is it fulfilling and make a change if if you're able to make a change because you don't absolutely. have to work in the same job forever. It's it's also the you know how many comedians are going to start after this. You know how many like oh, yeah. guy, I mean yeah. if you if, if you go to quit and start yeah, yeah exactly yeah a lot of comics left have left the city a lot of people have left the city who knows what New York City is mm-hmm. going to look like after all of this um, but. Mm-hmm. You know who, who knows? Maybe we can all afford to live in the West Village. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I think I look at I look at where I was at that moment in in oh eight oh nine twenty ten when I lost my job and I saw the economic downturn and I knew that maybe there wasn't a, a role for me to jump into right away and that might have made it a little bit easier to be like okay what do you want to do like you have a moment you have the mm-hmm. severance package go do something um, but that's gonna happen after this there's gonna be so many oh mm-hmm. god so many terrible Etsy shops and oh, <laughs> so many stupid fucking <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, you know, oh, yeah. tinkering and, and the crochet masks I'm going to see, you know, like all of that. There's going to be all these new things. But I also applaud people that do that, even if you fail, because do you really want to be the dude or the woman on your deathbed looking back and going, I didn't live the way I wanted to. Now, that doesn't mean like, you know, go run around and and be reckless and be stupid. Mm-hmm. But that also doesn't right. mean don't if there's an opportunity to do something, go fucking do it. Even if you fail, I'd much rather be walk into the corporate world having failed as a comic then continue down the corporate world and, and be someone in my 70s and looking at my grandkids if i had them or whatever and being like i didn't try and i didn't do what i wanted mm-hmm. and my time is up i did I, that yeah. i didn't want well you're gonna learn so much about yourself and failure too yeah Oof, you yeah. know like That's you're true. gonna grow regardless so it, sometimes it's good to fail get your teeth kicked in a little bit yeah. and- <laughs> the, the problem oh, is yeah. the people around you you know yeah like the way I, the way others make you feel mm-hmm. because as a comedian you're just consistently failing it's just a a very long oh, yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> like oh well I mean, we, we've seen famous people go up at a comedy club drop in and bomb some bits yeah <laughs> it's like so it's like even the most famous comics are gonna have a night where they get their teeth kicked in every once yeah, in a while if you're a big name go home like what am i doing and that's why they get better though yeah, yeah. You know? but it's like it is just, it's just a battle but like even the <laughs> biggest name it's i saw this a lot like in in la like the biggest name could get on stage you get three three minutes yeah. the first minute the crowd's like oh my god look who it is yeah. The second minute, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they're doing stand-up. Third minute is, that shit wasn't funny. Let another stand-up. I saw you already. I did it. Yeah. Let a real stand-up yeah. up. Like, you don't get the – there's never a moment as a comedian unless you're only playing to your own crowd, which is, I think is mm-hmm. the sort of the bad part of the success of podcasts is you're only ever performing – for people who listen to you on a weekly basis. So you're like an authority <laughs> level in their eyes. Other than that, like when we do stand up uh, shows for Cooligans fans, at some point I'm like, even I didn't think that was funny. Like, you got to stop laughing. You know? <laughs> uh, so, well, it's like uh, Roy Wood Jr., I heard on a podcast, and he's this great black comedian. He's so good. And he talked about how he makes himself go work certain bits in front of black rooms. To check that they're okay. Yeah. And he did a bit about police brutality mm-hmm. in Michigan after, you know, whatever happened in Flint, Michigan. And he was like, a woman stood up, interrupted me, and checked me. And then I was in a hole. And I had to get out of that hole. It took me 10 minutes to get out of that hole. Oh but he God. was basically like, yeah, even someone like him who's on The Daily Show and killing it and doesn't even need to be doing all these other stand-up shows 
does and it's like he's still getting checked and it's like the, the, the biggest <laughs> justice is stand-up comedy yeah. almost for it's instant gratification and even if it's not gratification it's instant you go no oh yeah and here's my <laughs> exactly. thing about roy wood jr by the way i think he will go down as the greatest comedian of all time i listen he's to him, i listen really to his stand-up is. and i'm like fuck i text him because I, I wrote a joke and i was like fuck i think i've heard this before so I'm texting other friends and I'm like, have you ever heard this bit before? Have you ever heard this bit? And people are saying, no, not really. Somebody said this, but this. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it was Roy Wood Jr. Fuck, I just stole a yeah. bit from Roy. So I text them and I'm like, yo, Roy, you ever heard this bit? And he wrote back, no, it's hilarious. I have a joke that touches on a similar subject, but it's nowhere near yours. He's like, in fact, do this. And he started sending me movies and books to research the subject of the joke. And I'm like, that's not how I write. Like in my head, I'm like, I'm not gonna do research. <laughs> I'm gonna go up there and do some bits. But like, I got a window into his world, and I was just like, fuck, dude. And and like, I had already admired him at a very high level before that. I think structurally and even stage presence. If you watch him, he is the next Prior, Chappelle, Seinfeld, whatever. Whoever you hold, it Bill Burr, yeah. whoever you hold in high regard, he is that guy. I I admire his stand up so much, and for him to just even help me with a bit, uh, to this day I've seen the. Cl- I'm like I don't even know. How- I have I've read the books and I've watched the movies. I don't know how to put that into a joke. Like I'm like I'm just I'm just doing the work he asked me to. <laughs> You're like Roy, I tried, I, I tried so hard. Roy, what's to make the rest proud? Of your process, man? You know, it's like giving someone who doesn't know how to cook a bunch of ingredients. You're like I don't know. I cut everything. I don't know what to do. <laughs> i'm still just drinking water here i love roy so much i i'm like embarrassed to tell him how much i admire him you know nah man i think it's great <laughs> uh i know i'm like we've been talking we got eventually wrapped this up yeah. type of thing this has been great though um, i remember I when you, like, you like asked to end- me to do the show you're like we're gonna cover shame i'm like you think i have shame <laughs> like, that, that gets I, washed I mean- away years ago <laughs> Listen, I just meant that we were going to bring up some pieces. Yeah. And were you cool with us talking about them? Basically, were you cool with us telling the world, like, hey, remember when you used to make a shit ton of money and provide for your wife and then you didn't yeah. for some years? Yeah, you should have asked it like, like that. Like Ted. <laughs> My sister would listen to the rest of the podcast if she heard that clip. Because yeah. there's been moments where she's like, I love you, you're my brother, but you being a bitch ass right now. You need to go out and get a fucking job. She's like, you need to start selling weed. Do something. Cover the bill. And I'm like, I love my sister. It's a great industry. Yeah. yeah. But like she's, I mean, every once in a while I'll, I'll call her and I'll be like, like, you know, like everyone has like the voice of the person they grew up with. Like they need someone yeah. to be like, like Roy going and doing the joke in a black room in the South or something. Like I need that. I need someone to be like, yo, here's the real shit. Like enough yeah. with the bullshit. Like, let me tell you how it really is. That's my sister. And like a few friends I grew up with are still those people I go to and be like, yo, this mm-hmm. is kind of what I, I'm thinking of doing. And I may not take their advice, but I need to hear what the reaction is to know. Yeah. Am I yeah. being real at least? Like yeah. they're the people that, you know, if you were to blow up and become famous, you're like, no, I still need them there. Cause they're going to be honest with me. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. My sister. Yeah. Or I mean, it sounds like your mom's pretty honest too. You probably always call <laughs> yeah, her. She also doesn't <laughs> like me, so I can't have her yeah. on my side. But my sister is the person who will be with me through everything if my wife leaves yeah. me if my if i become super famous and i'm still married whatever my sister is always the next person she's legitimately the only other person i trust and i know because specifically because i know in what instances i can't trust her does that make sense like <laughs> i yeah. know her character <laughs> yeah. you know her well yeah, enough. i know yeah. well enough to be like i know you're gonna fuck me over a little bit on this but i still need you to do this like i just <laughs> she's just, and we didn't get along growing up but she's just such a real person a friend made mm-hmm. fun of her growing up and i beat the fuck out of him in front of her and i think from that moment she realized like all right we may not be best friends but we're a team 
And as mm-hmm. we got older into teenagers, her and I became like inseparable. And like I legitimately, if I buried a body, she'd be the first person. If I had to bury a body, she'd be the first person I call. <laughs> <laughs> just also to be here, I mean, like yeah. I ain't thinking shit. I just got these nails done. Like I just, like <laughs> just have there would be great. She's like, I'll help you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put that motherfucker in a freezer. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we like to, I guess, kind of wrap up on something. I guess a little bit more lighthearted or fun. Um, so what is the best piece of dating advice you've ever received? Oh, uh, the best piece of, I mean, it's probably not great advice now. Uh, it's going to sound a little rapey, <laughs> um, but <laughs> like the best piece of advice I ever got. So there was, I, I don't, I don't want to tell too long of a story, but when I first started dating D the first day we went on was like mini miniature golf. And then we talked a bunch. It was like, you know, corny kid shit. Right. Um, but then I, so I wanted cute. to take her out to a nice dinner and there was this guy who was legitimately in the mob. He's dead now because he owed a lot of money, but he owned two restaurants <laughs> in lower Manhattan. And I would go and hang out at these restaurants and he would tell me mm-hmm. stories about like when he sold a Pignoli truck, you know, Pignoli nut truck and stuff like he would tell me all these cool stories. And I said like, Oh, I want to take this girl on a date, but I'm not sure where to go. And he was like, you bring her here. He's like, you bring her here. And he gave me this whole plan. He was like, this is what you do. So I borrowed my mom's minivan. I took her. He was like, you ask her to get out of the car and you tell her you're going to go find parking. She comes in. I got the rest. He's like, you go around the corner. I'll put out cones for you and save a spot for you. I turn the corner spots there. I come back in. I see my wife standing there. And the guy's like, oh, this Mr. Alexis. No, Mr. Guerrero. She's been saying the, the tables for Alexis. And they're like, oh, no. He like, snaps his fingers. They bring a table from the back. They put it in the corner of the room. <laughs> they, they sit us down. They pop open wine. We're not 21. My wife looks at <laughs> dating. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, don't you like wine? And she's like, yeah, I guess. Oh I'm like, don't worry about it. And he goes, no, when you win Mr. Guerrero, so it's okay. You know, it's a, everything is taken care of. He laid it on super thick. Uh, he, <laughs> she was like, I'm hungry, but there's no menu. And he's like, no, you tell me what you you want we make it and it was she was like i can oh have whatever i want she's like yeah what what do you eat and she was like can i have chicken franchise he's like it's coming right up you know <laughs> alexis the usual <laughs> mr guerrero's the usual and i was like yeah sure i don't know what the fuck there is no usual for me you know what i mean <laughs> but thank god it was chicken parm. it just made you look like a don man. it made you look like a king and then he yeah. he hired uh he hired the the pianist that plays in father demo square outside of joe's pizza that's where the restaurant used to be on the other block on carmine he paid mm-hmm. that guy to play the way you look tonight, which I had asked her her favorite song. It was the way you look tonight by Frank Sinatra, <laughs> which ended up being our wedding song as well. Um, so oh he paid God. that guy to play it as soon as we walked out. I mean, this guy laid it on the advice. The whole story, by the way, she was like, what do you do? Cause you, this is all illegal. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, he just hooked it up, but like, um, she and he was like no bill no worry about it blah 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 and i'm like i can't pay you he's like don't worry he's like this is for you you know and i think he saw that he was like getting older and shit so he wanted to help me i was just cool it was just a great dude but uh and i a good friend uh unfortunately he had to go the way he went but his advice was <laughs> show her show her a version of you she can't say no to right which yeah it's a little bit misleading and a little bit rapey but I don't think it's raping. It no. seems like, oh, like you're going to like sort of coerce your way into her heart is kind of, you know, to me, it seems a little disingenuous, but it's also kind of romantic. And to me, it's like yeah. that the best advice, you know, I could give someone that someone gave me is, you know, show the person you're with why they should be with you. Show them what you offer. Show them the kind of personality you have. Show them how good of a person you are. You know, anyone could be. Uh, I, I like long walks on the beach and blah, 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 blah. But like, if you really yeah. care about the person in front of you, show them what it is that they're essentially buying into, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, I, I more, when I was hearing your story, as much as it's like, you're this king, you're this Don, right? Almost, It's almost like a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe putting on a money facade, you could say, yeah. right? Like, oh, I got all these hookups and, and <laughs> you know. But I think ultimately, when I was hearing the story, I was like, I think this just is essentially you being like, I'm going to always treat you like you're yeah. like a queen. Right. Yeah. Even if it maybe isn't, you know, financially exactly this experience, but it just was like, <laughs> I, I want you to have the best time. Like, I'm always going to do what I can to yeah. make things great for you. Yeah. You really got me at the song. I don't think a man has ever even asked me what kind of yeah. music I like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm just listening to sounds. We're all agreed on them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, I mean, it just seems romantic of, uh, even if it's like not, I guess, the first couple dates, but like, it's kind of occasionally being like, I'm going to try to have a night where I pull out all the stops or, yeah. you know, like you said, you know, even when you didn't make a lot of money, you were like, I always put away cash to like, just make sure I could give her a nice something on her birthday or Christmas, like yeah. little things. I just always wanted to know. know she felt like I appreciated her and, you know, she was special to me, even if I couldn't. But like, you know, it's a little disingenuous to be like, look at what I can do. And then like the next meal is like, you want to go halves on this Burger King? You know? <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, uh, what, what was it again? The exact line of the advice? The advice Sorry. is just show, advice? show someone like the best that you have to offer. Show them exactly who you are. You know, because I always, I've always looked at relationships as a partnership, but it's like if you're going to go in a partnership with someone, you better, ha- you better be offering something. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, the person you're with could get their dick sucked or their pussy eaten anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what else do you have to offer? So you can make a girl come. Congratulations. So can a fucking two batteries and a piece of plastic. All right, like <laughs> fucking bring something to the table, motherfucker. You know, do some shit. Or I just heard it as like. I don't know if this was your first date, but essentially whatever date it is, you were going in being like, and I want another one after this. Yeah. Like, it's basically like you gave her a story, like she goes home and tells her girls and you ask her out again and she's like, I don't know. They're like, the dude you played nuts? your favorite <laughs> yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me his number. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a story yeah. that gets the friends on your side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, you need that. I was, I was getting buy-in from everybody. I heard after that that everyone was like, this is the guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think it was our fourth right. date. Or, uh, oh, wow. Wow, that's early. Yeah. But I love, like, I, I think for men, it's like, you need, like, one trinket that you we can, like, tell our friends or our family that yeah. they'll be like, yeah, he's he's down Keep for that. you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like, it, it's one thing. Like, yeah. It's always because, like, you know, I guess, like, at a wedding and, you know, father of the bride's making a speech. It's like, he needs that one thing that's like, and when I heard Alexis went out of his way to get a pianist to play your favorite song. <laughs> I knew this is the guy, like, he's going to be good to my girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. That makes, like, that makes some good sense. did it one time. <laughs> I remember on the way home from that date, my mom's minivan was really old, and she didn't use it anymore. She had a different car. But um, a, a cab sideswiped us. But, like, we had pulled oh, over, shit. and a cab just rubbed. So there was yellow paint along the side of the car. But it wasn't like there was no damage. The door could open. It was just... A, a bunch of yellow paint. Yeah, paint swap. The cab driver gets out. He's like, I'm so sorry. Please don't tell the police. I'm illegal immigrant, blah, 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 blah. And I knew my mom's car oh my was God. like worthless. I just looked at it and I go, dude, you're fine. Get out of here. And he's yeah. like, what? Oh, and he like, he grabs my face and he goes to kiss me. And I'm like, chill, chill, chill. And he looks at, <laughs> he looks at D in the car and he's like, this man is an angel. You keep him. So the night must have just looked magical. I don't know if she still thinks to this day, like I paid for someone to sideswipe my mom's minivan. You're like, <laughs> the night must have just looked like it was majestic, like meant to be. It was great. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think this is a hell of a note to end the podcast on. Yeah, absolutely. I don't absolutely. know if you have any more thoughts or anything. 
that's all i got i can't top that <laughs> yeah Shit. well i mean in general like before we had you on i mean you're one of the i don't want to say few men but essentially few men i've heard how you talk about women as I, I i sat there being like yeah i want my guy to like talk about me that way yeah someday that means a lot to like, me you got a lot of pride for your girl you're very proud to be with your woman and i think that's a beautiful thing yeah yeah i mean i can't like there was a, there's another podcast that we do a lot of stuff with called total soccer show and they watched me and christian perform stand-up and one of the things they said is like both of you didn't badmouth the women you're with like the other comics were like oh the fucking wife take her you know yeah we don't do mm-hmm. that like we, I, you know it's very clear i love her so like i was like cool i never thought of it that way but thanks you know that means a lot <laughs> right i just try to show respect you know all right so for all our fans out there make sure you get involved follow alexis at not alexis and his podcast is at soccer cooligans and anything else you want to plug for the fans uh, yeah it's uh it's free at footballsportsnetwork.com or if you have football tv or if you have a vizio or a samsung or a roku or anything it's absolutely free you can also get the fubo app and it's free on that it's cooligans every tuesday and thursday at 8 p.m Beautiful. And uh, you guys want to give us a follow. We're at Shooters Gotta Shoot Pod. And I personally am at Sperica. And I'm at The Guacamole. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks. Bye.